us have done this, including me, and therefore God cannot use us. And this is a flesh mindset. But like my son was praying for us, he said, hey, let's put our hands on our minds. Let's say we have the mind of Christ. God wants to, he wants to penetrate our minds with his love and his kindness, but also he wants to give us a new understanding of what we can do in him. And ultimately, if we understand that he is doing it through us, then we can bring glory to God. God needs us to operate in the supernatural because that brings more glory to Jesus. Some of us just settle for mediocrity, but that time is long gone. We cannot settle for mediocrity anymore. We need to go all out for Jesus. I, I love that song that they sang, and they were actually quoting the Westminster Confession, and the first line in the Westminster Confession that they drew up in the 1700s, it says, what is the chief end of man? And then it says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I think it's the great line on a tombstone. One day, this guy lying here, he's dead, and he just glorified God with his whole life, and he enjoyed the presence of God. And for me, it's so funny that they already had that line in there, enjoy God forever in the 1700s. The way that I grew up is you need to bring glory to God, but you're not allowed to enjoy Him. It almost felt like blasphemy if you enjoy the Lord. But what are we experiencing here tonight and we're experiencing in, in worship is that God loves us. And God's not only convicting us of sin. Yes, He is doing that and constantly He is doing that. And He wants to right the wrongs in your life and He wants to give you grace to overcome those evil things but he's also drawing you into a relationship. And relationship with God is better than relationship with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, your kid. It's so much better. There's so much more enjoyment that comes from this. Like if I think of my, think of my kids and I enjoy each one of them so, so much. I love them. There's so many funny moments. I'm thinking now of, say, Almo on a Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon, he's looking for his, his school bag. And we just can't find his school bag. Like, where is his school bag? And we're like, hey, Almo, you probably left it at school. It's, it's nowhere, little Almo, junior Almo. And uh, I'm not in school anymore. And then after probably half an hour of searching, we find his school bag in the corridor, in, in the gang. And then he's just lying there. Now I, I take the school bag and I'm like, who put Amor's school bag in front of his door? And nobody answers. And then eventually little Julia is like, it was me. I'm like, what did, what did you do? She said, no, she hid his school bag on Friday because he apparently he said something wrong to her or he insulted her. So she wanted to get back at him. So she hid his school bag. Under, I think it was his or her bed, and he only brought it out after half an hour I was searching. I think it was brilliant. Also, the other day, Eva, Eva's brushing her teeth, and then she comes in screaming at the boys. Who put shampoo in, on my toothbrush? So all the, the boys are like, hey, it wasn't me. It wasn't. That's their favorite line when they get accused. It wasn't me. And then... All of us looked to Julia, and Julia's like, it was me. <laughs> it was Zach. Just, I just love my kids. I love them. I love relationship with them. And if I think that I enjoy them so much, how much more is God enjoying us? Hanli, how much more is God enjoying us? Hanli is doing great work with the freedom in, in Christ. Is it freedom in Christ? Identity in Christ curriculum at the different primary schools, and she, she's helping little young girls and boys understanding who Jesus is. And just the feedback that we get from whether it's Etniqua or Blanco is just little girls, boys are meeting with Jesus in those, in those moments. So thank you, Andy, for that. So we want to steward what God has given us, and we, we want to steward it well. 
Because at the end of the day, we want to bring maximum glory to God. So I'm going to read to you a quick testimony of a, of a dear friend of ours. She's in our congregation. It's, it's very sensitive. And uh, there was a, you'll hear what, what happened. But this is a story of how God wants to reveal himself to even somebody that commits an evil sin through you. So just hear the story. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law struggled for a long time to conceive. After further tests, the doctors confirmed that it wouldn't happen naturally. After two rounds of the IVF, the miracle was on its way. Everyone was excited for them. The baby room was full of gifts. A new stroller had been purchased, and the baby had already been named. At 24 weeks, the sonar confirmed abnormalities, and the gynecologist advised them to terminate the pregnancy. They followed his advice. Their hearts were broken, fragile, and angry. Dreams turned into so much sorrow in a moment for them and for the whole family. And Sunday, I almost spoke of words of wisdom and knowledge. My sister-in-law had a birthday that Monday. I knew I wanted to send more than just a happy birthday message. What if you've been in that situation? Lord, I, I now have an opportunity. I want to send something meaningful to this person. I wanted her to know that the Lord knows her pain. He is with her. He has never left her, even though she might not feel it now. But how? I have three children myself. I don't understand her pain, even though my heart is hurting with hers. She herself said she didn't want to hear everyone praying for her anymore. My words were lacking. So you can feel, you can sense the resistance. Then, while praying, I received a picture of a bouquet of daffodils. I felt this is... This was what I should send her. After my Pinterest search, I decided on a beautiful watercolor picture. That afternoon, and then obviously she sent it to her. And that afternoon, she told me in tears that she had gotten a daffodil tattooed on her forearm a week or two ago because it's the flower of the month in which she lost her child. She hasn't shared it with her family yet because it's so personal to her. Her first and only tattoo. After my message, she experienced that the Lord is with her during this time. She experienced His presence. She feels loved, and even though she feels like no one understands, she now knows that He is with her. Maybe I need to be more still and trust the Lord to speak when I don't know what to say. That's why we need to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's always within the context that the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift because He is God. Just to know God, that is the greatest gift. And then God says, Great, I want to have relationship with you. And relationship is always first, but I'm also giving you a task. I'm giving you assignments. I'm giving you people in your life, and you can impact them by just allowing me to use you, just to say yes. This week, again, somebody, I was speaking to somebody who went on a, a mission trip to Europe. And there's a, there's a guy that came from our church, and he's now in Europe. He's doing business there, him and his family. And this guy said to me, Armel, apparently you're the reason why you ended up in Europe. I'm like, what? how did that happen? He said, no, you prayed over him, and you gave him a word that God's going to send him to Babylon. And then... I think a week after that, or two weeks after that, he found himself getting or giving an offer for this job with many not-so-Christian people around him. So God wants to use you. And they're doing well, apparently. God wants to use you. Just your simple yes. Just say, hey, Lord, I'm aligning myself with the will of God. And all I want to do is just to bless people, not with armor. Armor doesn't have too much to give. I like myself. I'm pretty happy with who I am. I love my thoughts, my ideas, crazy dreams. But there's so much more that I can give if I'm connected to the Lord God. So that's what we're after. We want to bless the hell out of George with the gifts of the Spirit. 
We want to pursue them. We want to see people, little kids walking up to their parents say, Hey, mom, I see this picture of your dad hurting you when you were four years old. What does that mean? Mom cries. Dad molested mom. Mom falls down, gives her hurts and her pain to Jesus, and she's healed. That can happen. That's the kind of atmosphere that we can create if we go after these things in relationship with Jesus Christ. The problem is when we pursue just the gifts because we want to look good, you want to post it on Instagram with you on your knees in front of a whole crowd and tell people how amazing you are. No, that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, Jesus, thank you for, for all the glory. Thank you that you are somehow co-laboring with us. Somehow you chose this vessel to bring glory to, to God. So God is with you. Just while we were worshiping, also felt the Lord saying, I was just taken to two conversations I had during this week, two women that are in marriages that are abusive. And I felt the Lord saying, I shouldn't give them theological advice. On, on divorce or on marriage or how they should love their husbands, I should just tell them, hey, if you were my daughter, I would come into your house right now. I will help you pack all your stuff and I will move you to a place of safety. And then I will wait for your husband. When he comes through that door, I will give him the stern look. I won't fight him necessarily because I'm probably smaller than, his, than him, a lot skinnier. But I will give him the fear of the Lord. And I sense God saying, not necessarily to you in marriages, he's saying, but he's speaking to people that are struggling, people that are suffering. Hey, I'm a dad. I'm going to get into your life right now. Just open the door and allow for me to sort this thing out. So if that is you, please respond to the altar call at the end. So I want to give you kind of a game plan for how to activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all nine of them. Don't limit yourself to one or two. We want to see all nine of them manifesting. And the first one is something that my son already alluded to. You're also going to see that he quoted my scripture at the end. Also, thanks, my son, for being in tune with the Spirit. It's probably the influence of your girlfriend. Number one, be spiritually minded. Romans 8, 5 to 7, it's the chapter, my favorite chapter in Romans, it speaks of, of the Spirit and the importance of the Spirit in our lives. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Is you bring yourself into a position to be an enemy of God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And this is not only speaking of you pursuing fleshly, worldly, sinful things. It also speaks of you not understanding how much God loves you. Because Romans 8 verse 1 starts with this. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. If you do not know that, if that's not a mindset that you have when you think of God, you're also in the flesh. But it also speaks of those worthless pursuits, those big dreams that we have just to fill our house with items or our garages with cars or to make this amount of money so that I can fill and have this, fill myself and be, have a fulfilled life. It's not going to happen. To set your mind on the Spirit means to align yourself with what is the will of God. What's really, really, really important. One of the things that for me is a, the epitome of fleshly thinking is, Parents next to the rugby field. So yesterday again, we had at the Nikwa Primary and we're playing against Cornell's old school. And this under 11B, Nicholas playing for the under 11B team. And there's a mom screaming at the ref. Not, not once, like a couple of times. And she ends off by saying, 
I really want to B-L-I-K-S-E-M, the ref. Like a sweet little young girl. And I turn to her, and this is now the second time that I've reprimanded somebody and say, hey, listen, yeah, the first time it re- worked really well, so I thought I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work w- very well again. So, um, listen, yeah, this is an under 11B rugby game. Come on, father, rustig. And then she said, and then she apologized. She said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did this. It just, we, we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the flesh. Now to think that your little 11-year-old rugby, he's now going to play Springbok rugby one day. And it might happen, hey, we've seen it. But, and now the ref's going to interfere with his great, great calling to make your name great. That is so fleshly. And the coach is running there. I don't know where they get this coach, but he is also screaming and he's swearing under his breath. I can hear. I'm like, hey, what's happening? And, and so we, we, love, and we love sports in our family. So we, we've been following just the World Championship Athletics. And I think it was the, I think a 200-meter ladies or one of those events. And the and the girl who came second, after she came second, she ran towards the girl who came first. And she hugged her. And she celebrated with her. It almost looked like the girl who came second, she, became, she was first. So I said to my children, hey, this is what we should do. And I think in heaven that gets celebrated more than the person with the medal making all the, the same bold moves. So... Are we fleshly or are we spiritually minded? Another thing that's really fleshly minded is road rage. I've, I've come across it often, even while we're traveling back, and I used the same example this morning in church. Like on their hooters, there's signs going up, read between the lines, those kind of things. It's, it's, and, and all you're doing, you're just upsetting yourself. It is, it is stupid. So we were driving in Hope Street, and I made a wrong turn or just went into the wrong lane. And unfortunately, it was a, a lady that came in behind me, and she was very upset. And how God wanted to, to make it happen, he made us stop next to each other at the red traffic light. So then I turned down my window, and I looked at her, and I said something. I'm so sorry, and I just laughed at her. And then she laughed back at me, and we, we became friends. <laughs> but those, and we think it's small things. But I've been, I've been in family settings where, and some of these people are Christian, where the, the husband freaks out about the smallest thing that the, the wife did wrong. And I'm like, this is so fleshly. How can you be so upset because your wife just left the cloth on the the counter. How can you be so upset? Do you know what it does to your children? I'm dealing with those children when they are 50 years old, and they say they just couldn't have a space where they can be honest and vulnerable because their dad always freaked out about the smallest things. It's fleshly. So can we stop that? Can we pursue the spirit? What is the most important thing in the spirit? Eventually, one day when we look from heaven towards earth, we're going to have those lenses on, the Spirit's lenses, and we're going to say, wow, that's how I should have behaved. I love my son's mom's example of she was in an accident. She ran to the lady who, I think the lady was in the wrong. She ran to her and, and said to her, hey, are you all right? Are you fine? But this lady just bumped into my son's mom. That is spiritually minded. That's how we should operate in the Spirit. and just brings in the Spirit of God to move. And if you cultivate that in your life, then you're going to see more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But also what it speaks to is that we apply our minds to study the Word. Go onto our social media pages. Go and look at all those different gifts. Read the Scriptures again. See what it's all about, and then you pursue them with your mind. For 12 years, you are in school. Your parents force you to go to school. Most of us don't like it that much, but we do it because we know we need to go through school 
so that eventually we can find a job so that we can have some money so we can put food on the table for our family, which is a great thing. The Bible says if you do not work, you're not allowed to eat. It's a good thing. To work is the first commandment in the Bible given to Adam and Eve. It's a great thing. But then also apply your minds. The thing that you want to develop for science and for maths, develop it for the spirit. Read scripture every morning. A friend of mine said he was so challenged. One of his mentors um, said to him, listen here, if, if you're a Christian and you can't spend 20 minutes a day in the Word, don't call yourself a Christian. I'm, like, I'm, I'm convicted by that. I'm going to preach that. If you, if you, and you can't even spend 20 minutes in Scripture renewing your mind. Okay, so that's number one. Activate your spiritual mind. Don't be fleshly minded. Number two is a lot easier, by the way. Create an environment of worship. 2 Kings 3 tells a story, a great story of three kings. they coming together and they're struggling with the king of Moab. And they, there's a battle raging. They don't know how to deal. And then they go to Elijah. And Elijah is the prophet. He can hear from the Lord. And this is what Elisha does when, he, when they arrive there. He says, bring me, now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, thus says the Lord. There's a simple game plan here. Just bring worship into your life. In 1 Samuel 10, it's a story of, of Samuel anointing Saul, and then Samuel says to Saul, now go and you'll meet these prophets. And this is how these prophets came down the mountain. And there, as soon as they come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So here's a simple thing to apply into your life. Create moments of worship. Play worship music constantly, whether it's in your ears, on your car, or when you wake up in the morning. It just sets you up to hear from the Lord. It's not the music, but it's your heart posture. So I try, and even now when we're singing, I'm trying to focus on what am I singing? It's some dangerous songs we sang tonight. Oh, how I love you, Jesus. How I love you, Jesus. And all of you were just following along. I hope you understand what you said. I love you, Jesus. And then Jesus replies, hey, if you obey my commands, then I know that you love me. So it's, it's powerful stuff that we're singing. But it's a hard posture. So we say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. And worship is a great thing when you don't feel like it. So we wake up our kids, said it this morning services, 90% of the time with worship music. Because I want to go to their beds and I want to look them in the eyes and say, Are you a Christian? <laughs> Listen to the worship music. Yeah, the music. Come on. Your pastor's kids, stand up. Do your little tasks. Get yourself dressed. We're going to go to school. Get your attitude right. We're not there yet. We're not doing it like that. Sometimes I pull off the duvet and tell them, hey, you're going to be sloppy. But we, what we try and do is we, we try and set the, the example of, hey, let's, let's worship. Let's bring in Jesus. And um, it's also there where they get to know the songs. Like little almost favorite song is, is Angelique's leak song of Van die Heilige Gies. And he just loves it. He just loves it. The other day he was playing against like, oh, my song, it's my song, my favorite song. Beautiful. So that's 90% of the time. The other 10% of the time is Leon Schuster, Rikomi Boka. Because we, we're preparing them for a World Cup win. It's also it's just being... Spiritually minded and thinking of what South Africa needs. We need. Any all black supporters in the house? 
Okay, ik zie niet de hand niet. So, I actually said to Luke, I'm going to use this example. So, so Luke, for a long time, he wanted to, do you know Clyde and Gordon Lombard? But they are, they love the All Blacks. And they've, actually, during, during apartheid, their family hosted the rebel teams in, in South Africa. So, it's not, for the, it's not that they don't like the Springboks, they just love the All Blacks. So, Luke, for a long time, he's now tried to invite them to come and watch the Springboks plays, play the All Blacks. And it just didn't work out. So for the very first time, he invites them for Friday's game. He said, I'm like, Luke, this is, you're so prophetically inclined. This is a gift of the Spirit. Invite them for the biggest thrashing of the All Blacks ever. And the morning we were standing there, and, and uh, I went to Clyde and just hugged him. And Clyde said, hey, why are everybody hugging me this morning? So create an environment of, of worship, number two. Number three is honor the Holy Spirit and His vessel. For me, this is the easiest cheat code when it comes to Christianity. It's a way of receiving more from people. And when you receive more from people, these gifts are also activated. 1 Corinthians, so it should read 12, 22, 25. And uh, the context here is the gift of the Spirit and Paul saying, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less, honor, less honorable, honorable, we bestow the greater glory, greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has... So compose the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So the principle that, that Paul is highlighting here, he says, hey, we all have gifts. And some of you are not going to take the mic. Some of you are never going to sing on the stage. But we all have gifts. And it's our responsibility to call out those gifts. And how do we call out those gifts in everybody, even the person that you don't like, even the person that you think that cannot speak, that cannot hear the Lord? You honor them for being a vessel of the Holy Spirit. So example for me is one day in a staff meeting, I said to the staff, listen here, God wants to speak to us through everybody, and we need to be open to that. I said to them, hey, God can even speak through our car God, Ray. That's what I said. After the staff meeting, Ray runs, and he's still our car God. He runs into my office, and he says, I'm going to have a word from the Lord for you. So then I know it's from the Lord. Another story in my life is... Uh, I was, um, I was a student pastor at Stellenbosch, and there was, a, there was an intern, then eventually became a great evangelist. She's now in America doing great things for Jesus. And I saw that there was something on her life. So I was a senior, and she was a junior. But then she obviously started traveling and many mighty things for the Lord. And then we met up at a conference, and then God said, Alma, I want you to humble yourself. And I want you to ask her to pray for you for impartation. Impartation is when we ask that person, hey, listen here, I want you to pray for me because I see there's something in your life and I'm willing and I'm so desirous of this thing. So she prays for me and I received a massive impartation that day. I could sense it in my body, but I also can sense it in the way that I ministered after that. Why? Because I humbled myself before a junior so that she can give to me. Matthew 10, 41, the one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Such a cheat code in Christianity. If I, if I receive Kaya for who he is and the blessing to this body, then I'm going to receive something. It's a supernatural thing that just happens. If I honor my mother, 
for who she is and what God has done in her life, I receive something. When I honor my dad, even though I don't like everything that he does, I receive something. When I honor my boss for what God has done in his life, I receive something. When I honor a little kid bringing me a word, I receive something. You are given a gift. And I would love for us also to apply this principle when Chuck Perry comes. Um, he's the healing room director for Bethel, and he's coming to South Africa. Because they've seen many miracles. So I'm going to just ask Janine quickly to share with you some of the things that she's seen because she was interning for him. And we need this. What they are bringing, we need this. We need the miracles to start happening so that God can get all the glory. Not us, so that God can get all the glory. Amen. Cool. So I'll just tell you some of my favorite ones. Um, there's quite a few, <laughs> but um, one of the ones that really stood out to me was a lady that was in the healing rooms, and she just fell out under the power of God. She was blind, and then when she came up, um, she started seeing um, light where she couldn't see anything before that, and it just gradually improved, so that was so powerful. Um, <laughs> the other one was a, a, a deaf ear popping open in the meetings, in one of the meetings, but what was so incredible is when you see the countenance of the person change, like they're more shocked than anyone else because they didn't think that it was going to happen. So just the incredible, incredible um, testimony that comes from that. And then um, I personally got healed. <laughs> I had eight months of menstrual cycle issues and I went to the healing rooms. They prayed for me. They said today it'll all be healed and nothing will come back. And then four days later, had regular cycles for the rest of, like, until today. So super powerful. And there's one last thing that I think I'll share. Um, one of the guys from Germany came to visit and he got healed by a prophetic word. He had cancer and a little child gave him, like, a picture um, I won't go into the details, but from a prophetic picture, he went home and sent the testimony back that he got, was completely healed from cancer. So I want you to raise your faith for him to come and visit, to bring yourself, not only yourself, but your family members that are sick, and just be expectant. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So the, the, it's a crazy story, that. So what happened was this guy drew a dinosaurus eating a crab. And then in Germany, a, or German, cancer is a crab. So cancer is crab. Is that okay? So he's drawing a picture of a dinosaur eating a crab, and he gives it to the guy. Guy gets healed of cancer. We have people in our congregation with cancer. I, I would love for our faith to be stirred. And it's a faith issue. It's not a, it's not a, a somebody else a needs to... Now, help us issue, it is a faith issue. But what happens if these people come and they tell us these stories, our faith gets stirred and there's impartation for us to have that faith. Some people must just walk in here and their cancer must be gone. So some of the other stories that I've heard is metal plates dissolving in people's bodies. Like they have metal plates because of of operation, accident, whatever, and then it just dissolves. And we have Niku here. He has titanium rods in his back. I'm trusting Niku that those titanium rods will completely be gone. So let's put our faith out. So it's just honoring somebody, and then you receive what God has placed on their, on their lives. Then number four, take faith risks. Let go of fear of failure. Hebrews eleven six, my son's scripture for the evening. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God cannot be pleased if we do not apply faith. And, and most of you have already done this. Faith starts with believing in a God that you cannot see. If I ask you, who of you know that 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 you are saved, that God loves you, and that if you die, you're going to end up in heaven. Hopefully most of you are going to raise your hand. That is faith. So that's beautiful. 
But now we can also apply faith to the gifts of the Spirit. We can say, Lord, I'm going to apply faith. I'm going to step out. I'm going to risk looking like an idiot. I'm going to draw this picture of a daffodil and I'm going to send it to a girl who doesn't need prayer, who says she doesn't need prayer anymore. And I'm going to trust that you somehow overcome these theological differences that we have about termination of little babies and you're going to speak to her. That's putting faith out there. Faith is to say, hey, hey, Kaya, um, I'm just sensing this, that God's speaking to me about your dad. I don't know who, you, who he is, where he comes from. But God says when he was five years old, um, this happened to him. Do you know anything about this? And then he also, he abused you. Is that, is that maybe true about your life? I can be wrong. And Kaya's like, oh, I don't know. But there's some things that make sense in the spirit. And I sense that what you're saying is true. Let's pray about it. And then because of you stepping out of faith, not even knowing if you're completely right, Gaia receives healing from the Lord because of his daddy's issues. So we need to step out of faith. So one of my mentors, he defined stepping out of faith in this way. He said, To step out in faith, to take a faith risk, is when you do something that if God doesn't come through, that you will look like a pauper. So do things, if God doesn't come through, you're going to look like a pauper. And you could put other words in there if you want to. So we need to give God space within wisdom, to work. Because God wants to work. He wants to touch all the people around you. I love that one of our, one of our older leaders came forward after the, after the second service this morning, and he said, hey, Amal, just ask, is there anybody with the name Marion? And then I asked, is there anybody with the name Marion? And then nobody put up their hand. I'm like, thank you, Johan, that's amazing. You put out your faith. You feel like a pauper maybe now, but you put out your faith. If there was a Marianne and God was speaking to you, that would be, be amazing for that specific person. But sometimes God cannot use us because we are so afraid of what people might think. And some of you have put out your faith and you have failed. I love one of the guys that I follow when it comes to healing is Randy Clark. He said, it's simple. God doesn't always heal. He's seen so many things. He, he knows that God always wants to heal and it's will to heal. But somehow, God doesn't always heal. But what he has realized, the more he prays for healing, the more people get healed. So percentage-wise, if you pray for a million people, then you have a hundred thousand people getting healed. But now you pray for 20 people and only 10% get healed. Only two of them, and you're like, wow, I'm such a failure. No, 2% or 1% or 10% got healed, which is two people. Amazing. So just keep on doing this. And I think I'm also guilty in this. I only tell you the stories of how I see breakthrough. But there's many instances where I've tried and I've failed completely. Just too embarrassing to tell all of you. But I'm constantly, constantly, Lord, I want to pray for you. Lord, I want to trust you. I want to pray for these things. I want to trust people to, to really connect with the Lord. So our friend, our pastor in, in East London told me a great story also of, of, of a prophet that was visiting and he was a little offended because the prophet got it really wrong. So he was, he was pointing towards a person. He pulled the guy up and he was prophesying over him, Hey, um, you have business and it's going to start flourishing. And up until this point, you've seen nothing of the Lord's hand. And it's going to start flourishing. And God's, I think there was some specific thing about doubling the income, etc. And then he now have a relationship with this person after a year 
just the opposite happened. Nothing happened. Lost, this person lost everything. It's just horrible. So he's offended with the prophet. But then he goes to the person and says, hey, I just want to follow up. I want to give the prophetic guy some um, feedback. Just tell me. And he says, and this guy says to him, hey, uh, hey um, Andre, yo, it was, it, this is, was my story. Yes, it didn't happen in my life. But the funny thing is, the person that was sitting next to me, exactly what he prophesied happened to him. So I'm just so grateful that somehow God released the word it wasn't directed at me, maybe he missed that, but he prophesied over the person next to me. And that always, also sometimes happens. And that's, that's beautiful. And then follow just what David did. David went to Saul and said, hey, I'm willing to kill Goliath, fight Goliath. And I know that I can do it because I've killed the bear, I've killed the lion. So start small. Start by sending prophetic words to, to people when it's their birthdays. Then come and stand up here, take the mic and prophesy that South Africa is going to win the World Cup and this is how, it gonna, how it's going to happen from the start. Don't start there. Or... Start prophesying, hey, that person's going to marry that person. Don't go there. Start with small things. Lord, use me in my friends' lives. Lord, use me in my business. Give me a word of wisdom. So another faith risk that I was thinking of, Simon's also here. Where's Simon? So... And for me, this is also honoring you and also something that I felt when she was in our congregation. Simone is brilliant at seeing opportunities and also networking. So she would say to me, Almo, that guy must meet that guy and then something's going to happen. That gonna, she has that anointing over So she messages me and says, hey, Almo, there's somebody, and this is what I hear, somebody that's living in Oatswaring, and he's now there with his aunt. I completely missed the message, but what I got was this. I need to connect with this guy because this might be somebody that we can use for youth ministry. Up until that point, for a year and a half, we've been praying for a youth pastor. So then I phoned this somebody, and then this somebody was Rika's Jonk. And, and Rika's walks in there. Cornell and I, we, we have a meeting of, of an hour, I just know that God's saying, this is my man. I employ him straight on the spot. Didn't even ask the elders. I got into trouble for that, but, but it worked out well. Because I knew, because I knew in that moment, Simone's doing something. I'm going to honor what she's doing. And I've seen how the gift operates in her life. And I'm just going to trust whatever the Holy Spirit's saying here. And I'm just going to employ him straight away. He phoned me afterwards and said, hey, Amo, I'm not really a youth pastor. I rather want to worship. I'm like, I just know that you are the one that I need to employ. And this is how Ricky came here. And then he brought Lene back after six months in Porchester. And then lastly, we need to manage the excesses. So it talks about the people taking advantage of the free environment. There will always be those people, but they will be the small percentage of people genuinely um, pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 14 verse 4, it says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of an ox come abundant harvest. It speaks of, if you want everything to be squeaky clean, leave the ox out of the manger. Don't get an ox in, but don't expect a harvest if you don't have an ox. And an ox brings chaos sometimes. There's life. So when we do life, when we do Christianity, our goal is not to have everything in order, everything perfectly aligned, nobody with issues, nobody ever, ever make mistakes. Our goal is to glorify God with our faith because we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Our goal is life, to build people up. The same with family. I was 
preparing for the sermon, and while I'm sitting there in the computer just finishing my slides, this thing, this show played out. It's Julia and Alma with boxing gloves hitting one another. So a five-year-old against a seven-year-old, and they're just hitting one another. Usually Julia wins, by the way. And then Nicola's jumping over all of the couches with the dog. It's, just a, it's a crazy environment. But my goal in my house is not, and we, we are maybe, we're erring on, on, on the other side of Rika's. Rika's is clean and everything is neat and tidy. But my goal in life is not to have a clean house and to have a clean car. We can do a lot better with a clean car and a clean house. I, I, I'm preaching at my wife. I hope she listens to this sermon. But the goal is, and this is where Cornell has helped me so much. The goal is, we want to raise children for life. We want to see life. And the same is with church. So we allow maybe more, more moves of the Spirit and even sometimes fleshly things to manifest because we are after life. The example that I use in the morning service is, if you look at a graveyard, Everything neat and tidy, very orderly, but there's no life. If you look at a maternity ward, it's chaos, but there's lots of life. So 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33, Paul is writing about how to structure worship so that, that it's orderly. It says, 26, when then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So that's the goal. We want to build up people. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only one or two or most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So Paul is making a statement about ministry from the front he's saying if somebody comes and takes the mic and prays in a tongue and another one and another one another one and just all tongues but there's no interpretation there's no building up we shouldn't allow that because it's about building up the people but if people are singing in tongues during worship and they communing with the lord that's fine that's 100 percent fine he's talking about ministry from the front and then uh, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for we can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So do it in a way that people can understand that people are bold up. This is Paul's point. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And the context here that we need to understand is when the Holy Spirit comes, you see what happens in Acts 2, for instance. You see that some people are like, whoa, these people are speaking different languages. They're now suddenly speaking German and Kosa and Sutu. And what all can understand and can hear that God's doing something. So that's one perspective. And sometimes we see that in church. We had a meeting in the civic center, and afterwards, I was like, this was a little chaotic. I don't know what happened here. So many Holy Spirit things happening all together. So then I'm like, Holy Spirit revealed to me the fruit. Some people said, hey, we missed it completely. Other people said, wow, it was glorious. So in Acts 2, the same thing happened. Some people thought, wow, it's glorious. Other people thought, these people are drunk. This is not God. This is not the Holy Spirit. These people are completely out of their minds. But then, for instance, with the Civic Center, this testimony just showed me this was all enough. It was not, not enough. It was so good that we allowed for the move of the Spirit. So in Grootbrak, a young guy, he's, he's 10, 10, 11 years old. He came to me and his mom brought him to me and said, hey, tell Uncle Omo what happened to you at the Civic Center. And he said that, and he's spoken Afrikaans, he said, Omo, uh, Uncle Omo, I'm, I'm shy and I, I can't speak in front of people. I'm really scared of, of what my people might think. 
But I was walking forward during the civic center and something came over me. And he said, he thinks it's the Holy Spirit. And I started dancing before the Lord. I'm not like that, Uncle Armour, but I started dancing before the Lord. I'm like, Lord, this is so worth it because what are we doing? We're allowing for life to happen. And this, the reason why I'm thinking about this, because this often his dad brought him to me and said, Hey, uh, Amo, I can't, go, I can't go to the men's camp, but my son really wants to go to the men's camp. He's 10 years old. He wants to go to the men's camp on his own. Like, thank you, God. We will always allow more of the Holy Spirit in our meetings because we want to allow for life to happen. So important. Yes. If somebody pushes somebody over because that's not how the Holy Spirit needs to move, I'm going to rebuke you. And we've had that happen. Don't push people when you pray for them. If you pray in tongues for half an hour and nobody around you can pray, pray anything and you're just confusing everybody, I'm also going to speak to you. It might be once in a while the Holy Spirit will come over you, but then the angels need to show up. And we need to see fruit in your life. And I allow for stuff to happen like that. But then we need to look at the fruit. Hey, wow, great, amazing fruit there. We had a, a lady that visited us. She's the mom of one of our congregation members. And at our first love meeting, she was sitting on a plastic chair there. And uh, she had a massive argument with me in the, in the service on the Sunday about tongues and the gifts of the of Spirit and the move of the Spirit. And then she was sitting there, and her daughter was praying for her, and she just started laughing. The Otani, oh, from Sutherland. And I was like, this is so special. God, I don't understand. It freaks me out a little. But whatever you want to do, we're going to allow for that to happen. Because we want the ox in the stable, because we are going after the harvest. And if there are excesses, we're going to manage that. that We're going to tell Nicholas, Nicholas, go and run outside with the dog. Don't jump on the couches. That's not how we do it. Let's keep all of you needed to do your household chores. But our goal is not a clean house. Our goal is to facilitate life.